Praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Before you're seated, I'm going to let you be seated in just a second, but I think if you are a guest, have been any night, and you have enjoyed this, I think we ought to give this church a good hand clap of applause for hosting such a great camp meeting. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I've been blessed by the Word, by the Spirit of the Lord, and by your fellowship. Amen. You may be seated for just a few minutes. Uh, thank you, Brother Spell. I have certainly enjoyed. I didn't get to be here the first couple of nights. Uh, I listened some when I wasn't here, some of uh, Holy Ghost Radio. But uh, what I have heard, I have just been tremendously blessed. And uh, my, 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 uh, what preaching we've heard. Uh, Brother Martin, Brother Looper last night just did a tremendous, tremendous job. And uh, I heard some of Brother Merritt's message Tuesday night. Didn't hear any uh, of the messages Wednesday night. We had service in Gina. But I've heard good reports from it. Brother Lyle, Brother Hare. I know they've done a tremendous, tremendous job. And I count it an honor and a privilege uh, to be uh, participating in this camp meeting. Thank you, uh, Pastor Tony Spell and his family. We love and appreciate them. Count them as dear friends. And I give Bishop Spell and his family honor as well. We love them. Just tremendous, tremendous people. Hallelujah. I don't know how you feel about it, but when I hear the name Spell, I just automatically think Pentecost. Hallelujah. I think Apostolic Church when I hear the Spell name. I love this family, and I appreciate them so much. Uh, glad to have my family with me. My wife uh, is here, and uh, our daughter, Hannah, and little Rachel. She's been in our home for about the last week, and uh, we have just grown to love her. Uh, she is a beautiful little girl, and I uh, see some Christ Templeites here as well, Westbrook's family. God bless them. Glad to have them. I'm, I'm like Brother Martin now. When they, when they hear me three times a week, and then they drive two and a half hours to hear me on a Friday night, uh, they must love me. And I love them and appreciate uh, them and their support. Hallelujah. I was trying to get away yesterday from home. And the uh, first thing I had to do, I had to try to go get me some driver's license. I was uh, on a lake a few days ago, and I lost my wallet, lost everything. And a guy in the church, he was with me in the boat. He actually went down into the lake, and he retrieved all my stuff, my phone, my credit cards, and uh, even my driver's license. But in the uh, process of trying to get all that dried out, I had it all over the truck, the pickup, and I've lost my driver's license. I don't have any. Uh, I hope there's no officials in here tonight. But Well, actually, on my way down yesterday, Brother Spell, I got stopped. There was a policeman in St. Francisville, and he stopped me for speeding. And I kid you not, I didn't have no driver's license. I couldn't find my registration. I didn't have no proof of insurance. And he looked at me, and he said, Well, I can't write you a ticket. I don't have nothing to turn in. I said, Well, you have told me the wrong thing, brother. But I, I said all that to say, I, in a hurry to leave town yesterday, 
I didn't bring any notes. I forgot my Bible. I don't have nothing. I borrowed Brother Townley's Bible to preach to us tonight. So I was going to get the Gideon's Bible out of the room. I couldn't find it. So I'm a little bit unprepared up here tonight. So you'll just have to bear with me. And I got to, I was actually at the church a few days ago in preparation for this meeting tonight. And I was seeking the Lord. And I actually uh, had a message that I had worked on, studied and prayed about. And after I got here yesterday and I heard uh, the messages last night, I heard about the messages uh, the previous nights, I thought this is going to fit right in. It almost seemed like we've had a theme going, Brother Spell, about our heritage and holding on to that. And I thought, man, this, this message I've been working on, it's going to work fine. It's going to fit right in. However, the last couple of days... Uh, my mind has just been going a different direction, and uh, I don't want to seem like I'm turning a corner tonight. Uh, again, I had a message I thought was just going to work and fit right in with what's been happening, but I've got to obey the Holy Ghost. So I've got a message on my heart and in my spirit, and if you will allow me, and uh, in the words of Brother Marler, I'm opening for Brother Townley. Again, I've opened for him before in other meeting and uh, I told him I said now last time I set you up perfectly for you to knock it out of the park and that's what I'm going to do for him again tonight I'm going to just sort of set him up you're in for a treat when brother Townley uh, takes this pulpit tonight thank you brother Spell for all the accommodations the room the gift basket everything's just top notch first class haven't even enjoyed the food they've been serving here it's been wonderful I'm looking forward to the food tonight would you stand with me in honor to the reading of the Word, I want to turn your attention to one verse of Scripture. It's found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 12, and verse number 42. Matthew writing, this is what he says. The Queen of the South shall rise up in the judgment with this generation, and shall condemn it. And here's why. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Hallelujah. Again, I want you to note that that's Matthew writing that. The Bible talks about the spirit of the Queen of Sheba. The Bible said that John the Baptist went in the spirit of Elijah. The Bible talks about, or, or rather, uh, we sing about and preach about the spirit of David. And there's the spirit of other people mentioned in the Bible. I don't think Matthew, his spirit, is ever mentioned in the Bible. But tonight, I want to I wanna preach to you for the next few minutes on this topic. The spirit of Matthew. The spirit of of Matthew. Would you lift your hands to heaven one more time and ask God to talk to us in this place in a mighty, miraculous Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord. We need your help tonight. In this place, Lord, we need to hear from you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise be unto God. You may be seated. Matthew calls her the queen of the south. 
But we all understand exactly who he's talking about. His reference is to uh, an Old Testament story about the Queen of Sheba. And uh, the time is when Solomon is reigning as king. And Matthew is referring to a day when this queen, this Queen of Sheba, she came uh, all the way from a south country, a long way, to see and to witness and to learn all that she could about this King Solomon. And we, we noticed in the text that we read tonight that, that Matthew is impressed of the distance that she came. And I suppose that being familiar with the territory and being from Jerusalem and understanding that part of the country, he sufficed to just say that she came from the uttermost part of the earth. But actually, if you, if you do any research and you get to studying uh, people that know these things and, and know about the geography over there, they say that from Sheba to Jerusalem is approximately 1,400 miles. And they say that camels, and that's what she came on. The Bible said she came with hundreds of camels. And... They say that a camel can only travel about 20 miles a day. So if you do the math to that, it took her approximately six months to get to Jerusalem from Sheba, this queen. And Matthew is impressed with this. But I don't think it's just the distance that he's impressed with. I think there's some other things, some other dynamics that play uh, uh, here that, that causes Matthew to be a little more impressed uh, rather than just the distance. For one thing, he, he's got to be impressed with her entourage. She, she didn't come by herself. She brought hundreds of camels. She brought uh, chariots. She brought gold. She brought silver. She brought spices. She brought gifts for Solomon. And I think, Matthew, and I think you'd have to understand, and you would even be impressed to know that to, to bring all of that from your home country for a six-month journey and to bring all of that to another land, that takes some commitment. That takes some steadfastness. That takes some, a made-up mind on this journey. Hallelujah. But I think the most impressed that Matthew was was the simple fact that nobody asked her to do it. Nobody compelled her. It was not a commandment. It was of her own volition that she decided, whatever it takes, I want to know more about this key. I ask you tonight, how far would you go to know more about your key? What would you do to see him and to learn of him? Well, hallelujah. And I proclaim to you the same thing that Matthew did. Yea, a greater than Solomon is in the house. Hallelujah. Now, I think that Matthew is impressed with this story because, and, and the Bible talks about the spirit of the Queen of Sheba. But I, I think that Matthew is impressed with her because he's got the same type of spirit within him. The spirit that says, nobody has to ask me. Nobody has to beg me. But I want to know more about my king. Now, to, to, to qualify this and to prove this, it's going to take a little work tonight. 
first of all, you need to understand that principle in the Bible is never given with just one Scripture. Doctrine is never given with just one little Scripture. But the Word of God and the doctrine of the Word of God is line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. And so is principle of the Bible. So, with that being said, we're going to dig around a little bit in Matthew's testimony, in Matthew's gospel. And I want to, I want to prove to you about his spirit. Matthew writes that one day Jesus is walking down the road. And there is this man by the name of Jairus that comes up to him. And he says to him, he says, Master, he says, my daughter is at home and she's, she's, she's vexed with a, with a bad disease and she's about to die. And Jairus tells Jesus, he says, if you would just come to my house with me and you would touch her, she would live and she would be all right. And so Jesus says to Jairus, he says, all right, let's go. And so Jesus and Jairus start out for Jairus' house. While they're going down the road, there comes up a woman behind Jesus. And the Bible said that this woman had an issue of blood. She was losing blood from her body. She was dying. She was losing her life. The Bible said that the life is in the blood, and she was losing blood, so she was dying. And the Bible lets us know she had done exhausted every avenue, every physician, uh, everything, all her money was spent, everything. She didn't have any other options. And so she came up behind Jesus as he was on his way to Jairus' house and she touched the border of his garment. And Jesus is walking down the road with his entourage with all of these disciples and Jairus and, and no telling who else. And all of a sudden he stops. And he says, who touched me? And the disciples looked at him like he fell out of a tree. They said, Master, the, the crowd throngeth thee. There are people's hanging all over you. People's touching you on every side. What do you mean? Somebody, t Jesus looked at them. He said, no, you don't understand. He said, somebody, for I perceive that virtue has gone out of my body. Somebody has really touched me. And the Bible said when this lady realized that she could not hide herself, that she told Jesus, she said, I said within myself, if I could but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. Jesus looked at that woman. He said, daughter, be of good cheer. Thy faith hath made thee whole. I want you to understand it is Matthew that records her desperation. It is Matthew that writes about. <laughs> While all this is going on, they receive word from Jairus' house that his daughter has died. So they send to Jairus and to Jesus, and one of them goes up to Jairus, and he says, Jairus, trouble not the master. There's no need to get him to come to your house. It's over with. She's died. 
And when Jesus heard it, He looked at them and He said, She's not dead. She only sleepeth. And so He continued and went to the house of Jairus. And when He got to their house, the, the, the crowd began to mock Him and scorn Him because He said that she's not dead, but she only sleepeth. And so Jesus turns to all of these disciples and all of this crowd of people, and the Bible said He put them forth out of the house. He said, everybody get out. Everybody. The little girl's parents were the only one in the room with her. And Jesus turns around. He says, now, Peter, James, and John only come with me. And so Peter, James, and John, they go into Jairus' house. And it's her parents. It's Jesus and Peter and James and John. And that's it. Jesus stretched forth his hand and he laid it upon the little girl and he said, Little maiden, I say unto thee, arise. And she got up and breath came back into her lungs. And Jesus told the prayer, said, Give her a little bread, she's going to be all right. Only Peter, James, and John saw that. Everybody else was put out of the house. Matthew, a little bit later, he writes about another story. He says, There again came a day that Jesus called unto him Peter, James, and John. He said, Come on, let's go up into the mountain. And so Jesus, Peter, James, and John go up on the Mount Transfiguration. And when they get up on the mountain, the Bible said that Jesus is transfigured before them. And the Bible said that his face shone like the sun and his garment shone like a bright light. And when this light began to shine, there was manifested and transfigured also Moses and Elijah. And when Peter saw Moses and Elijah, he got excited. And he said to Jesus, he said, let's build three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And as he was saying this, there came another cloud with a voice in it that was speaking about Jesus and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And when this voice thundered from heaven, it knocked Peter and James and John down in the dirt. Jesus, after this voice, and after Moses and Elijah were dissipated, Jesus told Peter, James, and John, he said, get up, boys. He said, be not afraid. He said, let's go back down the mountain. And on his way down the mountain, the Bible says that Jesus turned to them, and he didn't ask them. He didn't suggest to them, but he, the Bible said he straightly charged them. He emphatically commanded Peter, James, and John. He said, you see that you tell no one about this. Now, I've got a question for you. If only Peter and James and John witnessed Jairus' daughter being raised to life again, 
And only Peter and James and John witnessed the, the transfiguration on the mountain and they were charged not to tell anybody. How is Matthew testifying about it? Where does he get the knowledge? How does he come to learn of this to put it in his gospel? I mean, I tell you how. Because he had a spirit in him that said, I will find out about the secret things of God. I will do whatever it takes to dig out the treasure about the hidden things of the kingdom. I want to know more about my key. I want to know more about my Savior. The spirit of Matthew says, I want to learn everything I can about it. I want to know more about my Jesus. Over toward the end of his testimony, his gospel, the Bible said that Jesus called all his disciples. He said, y'all come go with me, we're going to the Garden of Gethsemane. And with all of his disciples, Jesus enters the garden. When they get into the garden, Jesus turns around to his disciples and he says, sit ye here. You stay right here. And he said, I'm going on further. When, he, when he's about to turn around and leave, again, he says, Peter, James, and John, y'all come go with me. And they went further, deeper into the garden and began to pray. They started praying, these four men, and all of a sudden Jesus realized he's the only one praying. And so he looks around at Peter, James, and John, and they're asleep. So he goes over to him, he shakes him, he wakes him up. He said, can you not tarry with me? Can you not watch with me just one hour? And so they, they shake themselves and they get back up and they start praying again. Just a few minutes more and they all fall asleep again. They are asleep. Bible says it. They're out. And, and this time Jesus comes to them and he, he sees them all asleep. And this time he just says, sleep on, boys. Sleep on. And then... He begins to pray. Jesus begins to pray these words. Father, if it be your will, let this bitter cup pass from me. Nevertheless, thou, Peter and James and John, are asleep. What are you saying, brother? Apparently, Matthew had got up from the rest of the crowd. He left his buddies and was looking behind a rock peeling back the branches of an olive tree, wanting to hear everything, wanting to see, wanting to witness. I submit to you that Matthew said, I may have to leave my friends. I may have to leave the company of my fellowship. I may lose some sleep, but I want to know what the master's doing. I want to be about the master's bit. I want to see everything I can see. I want to hear everything I can hear. I want to feel everything I can feel when it comes to Jesus. I want to be a part of it. I want to be involved. That's the spirit of Matthew. I want to know, we used to sing a song, I want to know more about my Savior. Now he didn't just get this way, but if you go back to the first of his gospel, you will find him recording the Sermon on the Mount. Now, understand something, the Sermon on the Mount was different than Jesus' other teachings. 
Uh, uh, many other times when Jesus taught, he taught in parables. These were comprehensive stories that he used earthly things to relate spiritual things to us. It was not the case with the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount was not a comprehensive story. It was like a proverb. It was like little uh, individual, independent statements of truth. You could take one of the little verses out of the Sermon on the Mount and it was a complete truth. It was a complete concept. And I want you to know, this is, these are synoptic gospels. All of these writers wrote about things that Jesus taught on the Sermon on the Mount. Except for one little verse. You won't find nobody recorded except Matthew. And that verse is this. Matthew's the only one that got it. Amen. Matthew's the only one that recorded and said, Whosoever compel thee to go one mile, you go too. The spirit of Matthew says, you don't have to be begged to do more. The spirit of Matthew says, hey, I want to know more about this truth. I want to know more about this message. I want to know more about my Lord. I want you to notice, Matthew never received a special invitation. He invited Peter and James and John over and over and over. He coaxed them. He tried to get them to come on. Matthew never got a special invitation. But Matthew said, I don't need a special invitation. I don't need the accolades. I just want to do the work of the Lord. Amen. I want to be involved. I want to do what Jesus is doing. Oh, hallelujah. Pastor, you don't have to ask me to run. You don't have to ask me to knock doors. You don't have to ask me to fast. I want to do it. I want to do more. I want to do all I can. Pastor, you don't have to pat me on the back when you see me vacuuming the sanctuary. I just want to, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. I can do something, brother. You don't have to beg me. You don't have to plead with me. You don't have to give me accolades. I don't need a special invitation. I just want to work for the kingdom. That's the spirit of Matthew. Now, I want you to understand something. I proved to you that there were some things that we emphatically know from the Word of God that Matthew didn't witness. He wasn't there. He couldn't. Jesus didn't invite him. He didn't let him come. But somehow or another, he wrote about it. Now, I submit to you that he obtained these things by one of two things. First of all, he could have obtained it like this. Going to the other apostles and finding out their testimony and their witness. Peter, could you tell me a little bit about what you saw on the mountain? Peter, oh, could you tell me a little bit what you know about the keys? to Peter, Hey, James, could you talk to me? Tell me, James, I want to know something about my Lord. Shame on you if the only time you read your Bible is in your daily bread chart. Shame on you if you never decide I'm going to dig out a truth from the Word of God. Shame on you. 
knowing that our truth was founded upon the prophets and the apostles' doctrine, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Amen. Sometimes you need to get this Bible and say, hey, Brother James, why don't you tell me how to live? Why don't you tell me? Hey, Peter, tell me what it takes to be saved. Hey, John, tell me about separation from the world. Tell me about holiness. I gotta know. I wanna know. He either obtained it that way or the Bible says that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. And it also says that holy men of old wrote as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. Shame on you if you've never said, I gotta find me a closet of prayer and get in the Spirit. I gotta get a revelation. I gotta get a hold of this thing. I gotta get a burden. I gotta get a hold of something for myself. Spirit of Matthew says, if you're asked to go one mile, you go two. Don't let them beg you to do it. You don't, you don't, you don't have to be coaxed. Just do it. Bible said in Exodus, it says, do not delay to offer the first ripe of thy fruits. And of thy liquors. Now, historians say that that is in reference to a festival. When they would begin to harvest their first grapes for wine. They would harvest those and they would put these in in huge vats. And and some even would say that the, the women made a dance out of it. And they made a party out of it. They got up in these vats. They had these screens on the bottom of them. And with their feet, they began to walk and dance and, and, and smush those grapes until, until the juice out of them started flowing down the piping and down the vat into a container. And that was what they called and made their wine. But this reference I read about the first liquors refers to something else. And that is the, the first ripe grapes, when they were picked... They were so ripe that when they put them in the vat without any outside pressure, without anybody having to stomp on them, without anybody having to apply any pressure, just from the weight of themselves, just because they were so ripe, they begin to weep and they begin to leak a juice of their own volition. And that juice ran down the piping. And they say that was the sweetest of the wine. Can I tell you the sweetest sacrifice is when you come into the house of the Lord and no preacher has to coach you, but you just stand up on your own two feet and say, I'm going to worship the Lord just because I love Him. Just because... Nobody has to coach me. Nobody has to prod me. I just love the Lord. I just want to worship Him. I came to worship. I came to lift Him up. Yeah. 
How much time I got? King David heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep. And he had some men with him. He, when he heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep, he, he sent some men to Nabal. And he asked him, he said, would you, would you send us some provision? We're hungry. We're weary. We just need something. We need some water. We need some bread. Whatever you got. Nabal, would you please, would you please make a little sacrifice and, and give it to the king? Come on, read through the lines here. They sent to Nabal. And when Nabal got the message, Nabal said, Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse that I should take my men's food and my family's food and my family's provision, and I should sacrifice it to this. Who is this man? And I want you to know he refused him. He didn't send the king anything. When the word got back to David, David said, all right, boys, gird on your swords. We're fixing to go to this camp, and we're fixing to kill every male among them. David's on his way to the camp of Nabal, and a woman by the name of Abigail... She's from Babylon. She's a Gentile. And she met the king. And she said in so many words, she said, Sir, she said, I never was asked to do anything. They never compelled me. I didn't even get this memo. I didn't get the message. She said, but when I heard that the king wanted something, she said, I've got you some wine. I've got you some raisins. I've got you some cakes of figs. I've got you some corn. I've got you some barley. I did it of my own volition. Nobody asked me. Nobody compelled me. A little bit later, that Jew that, that was steeped in tradition, Nabal, he died. His heart turned into a rock. But that Gentile bride became the bride of the king. What are you saying, Brother McCoy? I'm telling you that this Gentile bride is marked and characterized by worship that is not choreographed. It's not programmed. It's not... But it comes from a heart that is passionate about their king. It comes from a heart that just says, I just want to worship. I just want to give. I just want to sacrifice. I wonder if there's any modern day Matthews in the building. Says, preacher, you don't, you don't have to prod me. You don't have to coax me. I came to the house of the Lord tonight to lift up Jesus. I come to, I come to learn something about my king. I come to bring him some gifts. I pray, I, I offer him the sacrifice of praise. I give him the calves of my lips. I come to worship the Lord. You don't have to bribe me. You don't have to pat me on the back. I don't need a special invitation. I come to worship the Lord. Matthew's spirit says, come on, do a little more. Come on, do more than what they're expecting you to. Do more than what they're asking. Stand with me tonight.
Brother, Brother Martin, would you help me just say, can I borrow your coat? Sure. And can I borrow your tie? Sure. And can I borrow your shoes? Sure. And your Bible? Sure. Thank you, brother. You're a good friend. <laughs> True story. There was a pastor preaching. I need your shoes, brother. Set them on that Bible right there. There was a pastor preaching along these lines about, about, feel a little insecure up there, Brother Mark. There was a, a pastor preaching about the way I'm preaching tonight, trying to get people to do a little extra, to come out of the, the realm of normal, to, to, to break the mold. To do something you've never done before. Step out in faith. Push a little bit. Go the extra mile. He preached his heart out. And there was a little old lady sitting in the service and her husband was backslid. She went home and that message, Brother Spell, it worked. He'd eat her lunch. She come back that night. She got back to service. She, she had her husband's Bible. She said it right there. She had his shoes. She set them right there. She had his coat. She done it like that. She had his tie. She put it like that. And she sat down. Sister, throw the arm of that over my shoulder. She threw the arm of that coat over her shoulder and she told everybody, this is Joe. This is my husband. They thought she was crazy. They said, what are you doing? She said, this is Joe. Preacher preached, she gave the altar call, she got up, she took his shoes, she laid them there. She took Joe, she put him there on the altar. She took his tie and his coat, she laid them there, she got down beside, she put her hand on Joe's back. She said, God, fill Joe with the Holy Ghost. I'm stepping out in faith, God. The next service, she came back in. She set the shoes back. She set Joe there. She set the coat. She set the tie. She sat down through the arms. She said, hey, everybody, Joe's back tonight. This is Joe. Preacher gave the altar call. She brought Joe to the altar. Night after night, I don't remember the story. I don't remember how many times she'd done it, but she brought Joe back to the altar. She knelt down beside him. She put her hand on Joe's back. She said, God, fill Joe with the Holy Ghost. But then one night... The back doors open, and that coat and that tie and that Bible and them shoes walked, but they didn't stop at the pew. Joe walked straight to the altar and got down, and God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, talking in tongues. I don't know about you, but I'm not satisfied with my lost family going to hell. If it takes more, God, if I need a bigger burden, God. I'm like Matthew tonight. If you can use anything, God, you can use me. My, my, I feel the Holy Ghost right now.
why don't you on your own volition without me trying to 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 create a pretty altar call why don't you just say preacher you don't need to coach me tonight here I am I'm coming to this altar and I'm going to give him my all I'm going to reconsecrate I'm going to rededicate I want more of you Jesus to it. 
myself away. Amen. I'm going to go further. I'm going to press on. I'm going to press on. I give myself away. Give the spirit of Matthew, God. Give the spirit of Matthew, God. Get the spirit of Matthew right there. I give myself away. Thank you. 
Jesus. God, I'm eternally grateful unto you for the mighty anointed word that you've delivered to us through your anointed apostolic prophet. Thank you for making your word burn in our hearts, Lord Jesus. As your Holy Ghost moved on us tonight, dear God. I pray the spirit of Matthew, Lord Jesus, that Brother McClure has just preached about. Saturate the sanctuary. Going to every man, woman, boy, and girl. Every church represented. May the spirit of Matthew follow them from the sanctuary tonight. As they pursue revelation. As they pursue a deeper consecration unto thee, Lord God. May the spirit of Matthew touch their mind, their body, and their spirit, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray it. Somebody said amen. Let the church say amen. Amen. Let the people rejoice tonight. Let's rejoice in the word that we've heard. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Brother McClure, thank you tonight for the word of God that you have delivered unto us. Was this a mighty anointed message. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise for this message tonight. Amen. Amen. This is, this is just round one tonight. And uh, one young lady over here on the right just received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Let's give the Lord glory for that. Amen. Isn't this wonderful? Amen. And uh, we're going to give you another opportunity to pray here in just a few minutes.